Blessings and peace and joy and unity are ours, dear Christian friends. Osborne taught me a lot. When our boys first got into Little League Baseball and the T-ball level, he was the coach of our boys, and uh, he had a very loud voice. He and his wife were rearing six children, but when he shouted with his booming preacher-type voice, he wasn't a pastor, but uh, it was always positive. And, um, you know, if you want to make $10,000 with America's Funniest Videos or something like that, just take your, ca- your camera or your phone out to a t-ball game, especially the first couple of games of the year, because little kids, they run to the pitcher's mound or third and all kinds of things. One of the funniest things that happens at a t-ball game when they're just learning how to play is that when the ball dribbles out into the field, the fielders fight over it. It's hilarious, Right? They all want to get that ball and throw it in the way they've taught. And so they'll be out there while the kids running around the bases that hit the ball. They're out there duking it out, trying to get the ball. So this is what Don Osborne used to shout to those little boys out there and girls that were out there. Same team! And he had taught them that. I watched it at practice. And when they heard his booming voice say that, they'd back off. Then they'd both stand there and look at the ball, right? So, same team. And, you know, for me, that, that became this huge illustration, and it's one of those that you keep returning to because it is so simple and so true and so powerful. We're all on the same team, but we need to be reminded by our coach. And our coach is God, is his voice, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 comes out loud and clear today saying to you and me and to first it was to the Corinthians Christians you're on the same team the apostle Paul started a church in Corinth by coming to town started at the synagogue taught them that Jesus had come to take their sins away and to give them an open door to heaven and they had gotten so excited some of the ones that believed in it, they left the synagogue. and The Jews didn't like that, that did not believe, so they kicked Paul out of the synagogue. He couldn't come preach there anymore, so he went to a hall next door. And the non-Jews, called Gentiles, they started coming, and they started learning the same gospel. And so people that were culturally separated, religiously separated, all came together around Jesus Christ, their Savior, and they loved it. And as long as Paul was there proclaiming, but then he, he's a missionary, so he moved on. And then he moved on in the vacuum, they started to fight over the ball. And they start, what, what they did was, and the gatherings, that's why there was a hall for him to rent, to speak in. They started talking about who their favorite preacher was, or their favorite orator, or the one who taught somebody, even not there in Corinth, but somewhere else. And they said, we, our favorite preacher is Paul, or our favorite preacher is a guy named Apollos, and then some said Cephas, and that was another name for Peter. Peter was our favorite preacher. And then some very smugly said, we just follow Christ. But they weren't really saying it in a way that was like, we're all on the same team. They were kind of like saying, we really got it together, right? And Paul wrote them this pair, two or three paragraphs to say, same team. And it is so powerful and so simple It's going to stick with you once you hear it. So I want to read it. Follow along. It's going to be on the screen. It's here in your folder. You can get your Bible out, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I appeal to you. You know, when the writer says that, he's really getting fired up. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Man, that's a tall order, isn't it? That's the whole point of these paragraphs. In mind and thought, I want you to be united. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household. Remember, Paul's over at Ephesus. That's, it's across the water from Corinth, Greece. He, it's over in Turkey, and he's, he's over in Ephesus. And some from Chloe's house came and were telling Paul about what was going on in Corinth. So some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. In two chapters later, he discusses this at length, but we're not going to go into that today, about how these are all God's men doing the same thing for you. And then he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Now, this, this is a very humorous aside. Watch this. Was Paul baptized for you? I mean, were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Did you? Their particular problem seems almost too childish to be true, doesn't it? You mean they actually divided each other based upon the different teachers they'd been experienced? Yeah, they were down to where they were thinking. Remember, they didn't even have a New Testament to look at. So they were thinking that maybe these guys taught different Christian faiths. And they were starting to separate. But Paul knows it's their sinful nature, really, that's involved, that wants to, it wants to be on under the green. It wants to be the winner. And they had, the, the devil was using that to divide the church. Maybe we do it more subtly when it's about the men that lead us or the people that have influence in our lives. Maybe it's just you sitting back trying to figure out Who's preaching this next Sunday? Maybe your faction is a little bit more subtle. Maybe it's that you've got turned off or turned pastor or teacher, and you've kind of learned to compare all other teachers to that one. And that's not fair, is it? Nor is it healthy because those others have things to teach you from God's word that God prepared them in advance to do for you. So this, is, this scripture has a, a, an importance for all of us, right? Um, Joyce is cooking meals for people in Round Rock, right? Round Rock has members of their church from the community, Lutheran churches in the area. People can say, I am of the Round Rock church, or I am of the Holy Word church, right? I'm of the Georgetown church. We can get that way petty in the, in the, in, out in the community, and it's all part of that sin that there was a sin of the Corinthians. Inside of a congregation, it goes beyond the teachers, though. It kind of find, it, it falls on what decisions we make and what side you were on when we were trying to make the decision. 
church members have memories like an elephant, right? They remember things that everybody else has forgotten. And sometimes you can run into a Christian and you visit a church, some other church, and they, they can't help themselves. And they'll tell you about some decision that was made when most of the people that made it have been long gone. They either moved on or moved up. <laughs> and they're still bothered by it, right? It happens when you're part of a denomination. And I know decisions that are made that I was on the losing side that are church body-wide that you don't know. The 800 people conference of our church this, this last Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I can see the people that were on the prevailing side and have feelings of, oh, those are the guys that beat me in that debate, right? No! Great week for me to meditate on this text. Same team, same team, right? And when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ on the last day, all this stuff that we get so worked up about and so divided about will be so... And here's the thing, if it's irrelevant when we stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, it's irrelevant now. It's not relevant, right? So let me bring it closer to home. Family. Same team, right? It's really hard for little kids. They try to play mom against dad, right? And they may even have an evaluation of mom or dad deep in their heart that they have the other, right? If you've got multi-siblings, you've got some, I just kind of am dealing with it that they're my sibling. I'm just going to have to deal with the rest of my life. I can pick my friends, but I can't pick them. Others, you, you can't wait for them to call you. What does God say? Same team, right? Don't do that. He says, they're all my children through faith in me if there's Christian family for sure, right? So it, it, it has to do with a lot of things. Amory made this shirt for me for this sermon. I think it's the coolest thing. <laughs> now that should be for the church softball team, right? You don't really see, <laughs> we don't have a softball team, but maybe we need one. So, but that, that's what we need around here, right? Same team. This reminds us that rather than having a number, we all have the cross of Christ covering us. That's what's in the text. Did you notice what Paul said? He said, I didn't come to you to be the most. He said, I didn't come to you with having the greatest oration. He said, instead, I came just talking about Jesus died on the cross for you and he rose again. And you're going to heaven and we're all happy about that. He said, that message is the power that brought us together as a team. And he said, whether it's preached eloquently or not. He said, it's all the same team. And he said, so I want you to recognize that. And that's that whole thing about, I don't even know if I baptized some of you. Now, we, we know how important baptism is. And the same Sunday, God gave us an opportunity to baptize little Ryan. But what is this word that he has, even about baptism, where he says, God did not send me to baptize, and I'm glad I didn't baptize very many of you. I can't even remember if I baptized anybody. What's he doing there? He sounds like he's putting baptism down, right? He's actually putting the idolatry of the act of baptism down. He's not putting down. If you had a true joy in your baptism and that you were baptized, your, your, your joy will be in what God, the man that did it, right? Um, pic picture it this way. If your father made for you a beautiful kitchen table, you're a young wife, 
and uh, your, your dad decides he's going to make for you a beautiful kitchen table, and he presents it to you at Christmas, and he's so excited to give it to you. You're so happy to have it. Do you praise and remember for many years the saw and the hammer and the sander that he used to make it? No. You remember your dad. You said, my dad made this table, right? Well, a pastor is a hammer or a sander. It's God that baptized you. It's God that gave it to you. So Paul, Paul could tell they were getting intoxicated with the people that God had sent to help them. And there's a fine line between appreciation and worship. And the worship of people will drive you nuts and everybody around you nuts, and they can sense it, right? Maybe this is also how you learn to share what's going on at this church. Rather than to one of our pastors say, you got to come hear what God tells us on Sunday morning. It's amazing, this message that we get from the Bible. Um, I want to reemphasize as I close on wearing that jersey that says same team on it. I want you to think about that when anybody lets you down, especially if they're one of your Christian family members or they're one of your Christian church members. Let you down, I want you to remember they're still on your team. I'm going to be brutally honest. I played team sports growing up a lot. And I went from being a stud as a little kid to a bench warmer by ninth grade. Maybe it's not a secret to most of you. I used to, when I was a little, little kid, we had these kids on our team that couldn't really play very well. And so I always thought they made us lose the game. I didn't like them. One, one little team, I was a quarterback, and they, the, the, our front line were about as big as I was, not very big. I always got tackled before I even got the ball, right? I was shouting at them. My coach finally yelled at me and said, stop yelling at them all the time to block, right? I said, you're all, I was treating like, you're a bunch of losers, right? I wasn't treating them like same team. I didn't appreciate and love them. I didn't think of them as equals. And I didn't always realize how much it hurt them as they were trying their dead level best, rejected by their teammate, until it was me. And in 10th grade, in baseball, if you know anything all about baseball, all the way until you get to the pros, if you get told, go out there for just two innings out of seven and play right field, you know your place on the team. Because most batters are right-handed, and they, if they're going to pull it, they pull it to left field. Very few balls make it out to right field. Out there where you have the least damage, right? And I, and I could remember it. Colt couldn't. I, 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 when the kids just threw like kids, I could maybe hit the ball. But when they started throwing curves and sliders and knuckleballs, I remember one time this guy threw a really slow curve, and I swung. I was completely done with my swing when the ball hit the glove. And, our, and, and the other stands laughed. They roared. I was that kid that my teammates thought, I don't want him to bat. In fact, the coach didn't either. And one time we were down to, um, it was like the last inning, and we were, you know, down on there were two outs, and it was my turn to come up to bat. It was, it was the bottom of the last inning, and he pulled me. He didn't let me bat. I was crushed, right? I was like not a member of the team, but I wore the same uniform. Why am I telling you that? Because in the Christian church, by the way, I got over it. It's okay. 
in the Christian church, in the Christian church, let's not let that happen. We're all dealing with stuff like that, right? I'm resonating with some story you've got. But let's not let that happen in the Christian family or the Christian church. That we like, we, we, we like picture some people as like really bad and they just right fielders. We're all on the same team and we're all what? Righteous in Christ. And even if we've got some big visible sin that we've had to confess, we're just as forgiven and just as righteous in Christ as anyone else. Let's stop looking at each other as if there's really good Christians. See what I mean? And then finally, let's celebrate each other's successes. You know how it is. In a, in a very juvenile soul, we tend to get jealous instead of celebrate when somebody else has a success. Last baseball example today, and we're going home. One of our boys, Caleb, got permission to share this. He was in right field, age eight. Wasn't his thing, soccer. Ended up varsity soccer, ninth grade. That's early, but baseball is not his thing. Right field. And if any of you had kids play over at UHO, there's no there At the time, I don't even think UHO was there anymore. There's no fence in this little league baseball. So if the ball even rolls past an outfielder, what happens? It goes on forever. Well, he wasn't catching many things that came out to him. It go on forever. And so that just meant home run every time, right? And, and so we had one of these close games. The other team came up to bat, and he was a lefty. And so if he's going to pull it, he's going to pull it out the right field. And we're all, you know, all kind of nervous in the stands, especially as a dad, right? You feel rise and fall on the successes of your kids. And this kid rocked it. Line drive, right field. And I thought, oh, my goodness. It's going to be in the next field where the other kids are playing, right? And Caleb, just all he did was just kind of set his glove up. I don't even think he was looking at the ball. And that ball went pow and made it shut. And our stands came completely unglued with excitement. Of course, they won the game that way, but they were excited for him because they were a team. And we were, I was like, oh, they, you know, I was kind of like the parent thinking, my kids, my, you know, what I was in ninth grade, and I don't want to do this to the team. But they were like super excited. We all cheered, and I bought him the best french fries in the world because UHO french fries were the best french fries in the world. And I said, that was an awesome catch. We still talk about it today in our family. And his brothers were excited too. Celebrate each other's successes. Same team. Put away that jealousy that makes you quiet, not say anything, but celebrate it. Be joyful because of Jesus Christ, we're all on the same team. And do that with your church and other churches too. Do it with everybody in your family. Do it because Christ is our coach and he's also our jersey. Amen.